want to begin this letter with another heartfelt thank you for your love, prayers, and financial support. Kristen and I very much appreciate being a part of your missionary family. We count it a great honor. I also want to say thanks for these Christmas love offerings. They really do mean so much to us. When we think about Christmas in October, a few words come to mind. First would be love. FPC loves their missionaries, and we know that. Each time we have visited, we have been warmly received and have enjoyed wonderful fellowship. When we receive your Christmas love gift, we're reminded of your love for us, the very love that we share in Christ. Thank you for loving missionaries. We also think about the word sacrifice. We know that giving to missionaries the way that you do takes sacrifice. Especially in our current economy, things are more challenging today, it seems, than ever. We're always amazed at the offering amount and know that you have not taken this lightly. You folks have sacrificed much each year. Lastly, we're reminded of the word fellowship. In 2 Corinthians 8, the Macedonian churches desired to send a gift to the church in Jerusalem through Paul. He writes of these churches, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, 2 Corinthians 8.4. Their gift was another way to fellowship with the Jerusalem saints by ministering to them. We are blessed to know that First Baptist Church is continually fellowshipping with us even though we're half a world away. Thank you for your fellowship and friendship. I could say more, much, much more, but I will not for the sake of your time. You folks are such an encouragement to us. We appreciate your love and prayers very much. We look forward to seeing you again when we can enjoy a more personal fellowship. Until that time, please keep serving Jesus there as we serve him here. Your servants in Africa, Nathan and Kristen Childs. Dear Pastor Peterson and brethren at First Baptist, we would like to start by saying thank you so much for the great blessing you are and have been to us and our ministry. As missionaries, we often find ourselves walking the extra mile for the sake of the ministry. Yet what you do as a church going that extra mile is a great encouragement. We thank you for your love for missions and your giving heart. What you do with the Christmas in October giving allows us to do special things as a family that otherwise we wouldn't be able to do. We cannot thank you enough. May God bless each of you for your love for the lost in Mato Grosso, Brazil. In Brazil for Christ, Peter, Zerlene, Stanley, and Kevin Doolittle. My family and I have always been overwhelmed by your love prayers and generosity that you have bestowed upon us these many years. 
We understand and appreciate your sacrifice for the great cause of missions around the world. One of the gifts bestowed upon us by you, your Christmas in October gift, reflects such sacrifice, and oh, what a blessing it has been. Each year we have used the gift to reconnect with our family that until recently has been scattered over four time zones of the USA. This last year was a little different than past years as our combined family of eight kids, their spouses, and 16 grandchildren spanned four time zones, which represented a great logistical challenge for the holidays. We used the offering to travel to Michigan for Christmas, to Tennessee for New Year's, and to Texas in mid-January, Tim's birthday to visit all of our eight children and 16 grandchildren. Words cannot express our joy that came with spending quality time with our kids and grandkids for the holidays, nor can words express our gratitude to you for all that providing, that opportunity financially for that to happen. We love you all. Again, we say thank you. Tim and Lisa Falk. Dear friends at FBC LOL, I want to thank you again for what you do for our family each year for Christmas. Sincerely, there have been years where our children would have not have received any gifts from us if it wasn't for your generous giving. This year we have three children at PCC. They are working hard to pay for their college bill, but they cannot afford it on their own. We are helping as we can. Our plan this year is to skip Christmas gifts and use the money to fly our kids home to Romania for the holidays. Jacob has not been there, been home in four years, and Bethany has been gone for two years. So everyone in Romania is excited to see them, and we are excited to have Christmas as a family for the first time in years. Brent George, Romania and Ukraine. Dearest Pastor Peterson and church family, what a tremendous blessing your Christmas in October is to us. We used your offering last year to go on vacation this spring to New England states. Seeing and visiting the New England states has been a desire of both Jim and I. We truly enjoyed visiting these states and wish we could have spent more time in each. We could only spend a week this spring, but it was full of precious memories. Thank you so much for being such a blessing to us. May God richly bless you for being such a blessing to us. Joyfully and gratefully, Jim and Lori Lambie, Awana Ministries, Florida.
Our guest speaker this morning is our missionary we support in Uganda, Phil Prettyman. We've been supporting him right at about seven years now. And I, when I heard he was going to be in the States, I asked him if he'd come and be a part of this special uh, service we have here. I've asked Phil <clears throat> to uh, share what it's like to be a missionary, the joys, the blessings, but also the difficulties and the troubles that come from serving there in Uganda. So I ask him to come be with us this morning. He'll be with us again tonight following the uh, evening service, uh, give a devotion following our dinner. So Phil, come on up. <laughs> he did an outstanding job presenting his ministry during the Sunday school hour, and it's good to have him with us again. Thank you so much again. I've enjoyed all the, the music. has been so beautiful. I've appreciated it. I know there's a lot of hard work that goes into all of that. Thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me to be a, a part of this very special day. It's an unusual day. Uh, I don't know of any other churches that celebrate Christmas in October. Uh, I don't know if I should tell you that that's in December or not, but uh, I think you know that. Uh, but we appreciate it so much. Our children have benefited so much from the Christmas gifts. We've always tried to get them fun things and things that they enjoy. Um, you know, we got last time, I think we got a, a nice foosball table that we found, which was a, a surprise find there in Uganda, but we found one and we bought it. And uh, other times we've just taken extended vacations to special places where we could relax a little bit. Uh, but this church means a lot to us. And I know for a fact that when people hear First Baptist Church, Land of Lakes, missionaries are encouraged. They know that church is uh, working with us, and they're serious about the Great Commission. And uh, sharing that, you know, it's, there's nothing worse than being misunderstood when you need to be understood, you know. And when somebody understands why you're doing what you're doing, it, makes a lot of, it, makes, it brings a lot of help. I wanted to just read a few verses in 1 Corinthians 16, and I won't take long. But I wanted to read these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You know, that really answers the question why we do what we do. Uh, you don't really have to ask an addict why uh, they do whatever it is they're addicted to, because the addiction is kind of self-explanatory. And uh, we are addicted to the ministry of the saints. God has called us to preach the gospel of his dear son to every creature. And uh, sometimes mission work is stripped of all of the romance and there's no background music playing while you're doing it. Um, and uh, you continue to do it because once again, you are addicted to it. You, you want God's will to be done. It is your passion. It is your obsession. And uh, we, we share that with our, our Heavenly Father who loved the world so much that He was willing to give His only begotten Son. And uh, that's, uh, that was quite a high price to, to pay. I know in just a few moments you're going to be bringing up uh, these uh, little gifts and putting them on the tree as a, a show of your love and uh, your support. Of course, our Heavenly Father put His Son on a tree. That was the price He paid. Because that was the, the value that he had upon us. And while Jesus was on earth, it was also his great obsession, his great focus. Uh, Jesus told his disciples, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Uh, Christ, more than anything else, focused his life, his goal, his energies on reaching the lost with the gospel. I heard a story of uh, D.L. Moody that I always enjoy. He, he was uh, never one to miss an opportunity. And 
One day it was raining heavy in Chicago and he was sitting under an awning and he saw a man without an umbrella kind of running down the sidewalk trying to, to get out of the rain as fast as he could. And uh, D.L. Moody just kind of jumped out, opened his umbrella and said, do you mind if I walk you to the next place? And the man said, well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And uh, D.L. Moody didn't waste a whole lot of time. He said, uh, I wanted to ask you a question. If you, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? And the man said, that's none of your business. He said, well, actually, that is my business. And he said, you must be Mr. Moody. And he said, you're exactly right. He'd never met him before. But he had heard stories that this man lived the gospel. And I know this church is addicted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's why you sacrifice, and that's why you do what you do. And there's nothing that you help missionaries more in than that. That we are not alone in this burden and this passion of our Lord. Notice what the Apostle Paul said in verse number 18. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Um, you have many times done that for us as well. These people had visited Paul while he was on a missionary trip to Ephesus. And these individuals visited him and they were a great encouragement to him. And he said, you've refreshed my spirit. The Apostle Paul had low times in his life. He had times of great discouragement. You know, one chapter over in 2 Corinthians, he said we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Uh, that means we were depressed to the point of uh, we just want to die. That's, that's exactly what he meant. We, our, our heads were in the mouth of the lion. And, uh, and uh, you, you helped to deliver us. And uh, what a blessing you are. Missionaries do face great difficulties. You know, I was thinking about it as I watched the, the pictures and tried to take note, uh, looking at the children particularly. I think the greatest difficulty that missionaries face on the mission field is their children. Um, meaning that it's hard for a parent to watch their child suffer. Uh, I, not too long ago, I had to take uh, Ezra over here to get eight crowns in one sitting uh, because uh, he had had too much Christmas candy, apparently. And uh, so they had to put him under. And when, uh, when he was coming out of the anesthesia, they, they, they kind of prepped me. They said, and I don't know, have any, have any of you ever been involved with one of your, your kids, like six, seven, eight, being under anesthesia? If so, you probably know where this is going. Uh, the, the nurse came in and said, now, you really want to hold him real tight when he comes in. Don't let him scratch his eyes out. Don't let him throw himself off the bed. And I'm wondering, what did you do to my son in there? Uh, why would I even think that he would do that? But sure enough, they brought him in, and he was just coming out of it. And I mean, he was doing everything he could to throw himself off that bed. Slamming his head against the wall, and there goes the hands up to the eyes. Like, they knew what was going to happen. And uh, I told my wife after that, it was about 35 minutes that I said, I wouldn't do that again for a million dollars. That ripped me to pieces. I cannot stand to watch one of my kids suffer like that. Missionaries face that monthly. Um, it's one of the greatest challenges because uh, young people, aren't, they haven't lived, they haven't experienced a lot of things, haven't matured, and so it can be a great challenge. When my wife and I were there our first year, we... Um, my wife came in one day, and she had a, a, a pregnancy test in her hand, and she handed it to me. And now we had another couple, uh, Lindsay and Joe, that we knew. And so I looked, and I said, oh, Lindsay's pregnant. She said, no, Phil, try again. I said, I know this isn't us. She said, this is us. It's <laughs> like, aren't we too old for this? Forgive me if that's TMI. I'm sorry. But, uh, uh, yeah, sure enough, she said, number seven's on the way. And right about that time, 
We, uh, we were told that we were not going to be able to stay under our NGO. There were some philosophical differences between us and the other group. And they said, you've got two months to get a new NGO. So I looked into it and found out that an NGO, establishing an NGO takes about two years. And so we were really starting to get stressed out because, you know, flying is not so good. My wife had already gone into premature labor and had a preemie on a flight uh, before. We, one, one of our children was born at 27 weeks, two pounds, and it was quite an ordeal. So we were, we were kind of getting uh, uh, a little concerned about that. And uh, we, uh, we began to, to seek any kind of way we could get this, this NGO. And uh, just about uh, maybe a month or two before my wife gave birth, uh, my, my son and I, Isaiah and I, were on a motorcycle, and we were driving back from a church plant in a village, and uh, on the, we were on a very rough dirt rock road, and there was an elderly man ahead of me on a bicycle, and out of nowhere, he just swerved right in front of me, and I knew I had two choices. I'm either going to kill that man, or I'm going to lay the bike down, and so I chose the latter. I, I The very best I could, I laid the bike down, and uh, it was a miracle. My, my son Isaiah rode me like a bronco. He did not have a bruise, a scratch, anything. He just climbed up on my left shoulder as I rumbled down that road. And when I got up, I, uh, my motorcycle was over there, and I could see that fuel was starting to leak out of the, the, the motorcycle. So I went over to lift it up, and when I tried to lift it up, I, I couldn't lift it. And uh, so I thought, it must be stuck or something. Maybe the handlebar got stuck in the mud. I don't know, but... I can't lift it, and I couldn't figure it out. I must have had a bunch of adrenaline pumping through my body. So I reached down again, and I, I'm like, I have no arm strength. And instinctively, I took my two hands, and I reached up for my collarbones, and I knew what the problem was then. I had co just completely broken this right collarbone, just a complete break. And uh, so for the next three months, I, I sat in a bed. How many of you ever broken your collarbone? Man, that is not fun. I mean, broken a rib. I heard that's about the same thing, uh, you know, those floating bones. But when I'm supposed to be helping my wife, and we had to move out from where we were, which we were very familiar with, and, you know, we had a little bit of familiarity, and, you know, it was a house built for Americans, so it was kind of American-friendly. And we're going into town looking for a house where, uh, you know, there's no houses for people with, with seven kids, and uh, American-style, so... We ended up moving into this little place, and it was, it was very foreign to us. It was kind of scary, to be quite honest with you. It was a little unnerving. And uh, we, we had uh, thieves jumping over the wall almost nightly. So for about six months, uh, the dogs were just barking all night long. We had, we had terrible insomnia. My wife's having a baby. I can't help her. I could not lift myself out of bed. My wife, pregnant, nine months pregnant, would literally have to pull me out of bed. And uh, it was a very, very, very challenging time in our life. We had a uh, midwife come over and, uh, from the U.S., and she delivered the baby in our bedroom in this little house. And I don't know if you know what it's like, you know, when darkness and sorrow can just start descending. And that's what was happening in our home. It was like, man, is this going to get worse? So our little boy was born, and about a week or two into his life, we noticed he wasn't gaining any weight. In fact, he was getting skinnier, and he just looked, we have pictures of him. He just looks like a skeleton. And we had no idea what was wrong. We called the doctor, and we said, hey, uh, what do you think's wrong with our little boy? He said, well, have you tested him for malaria? We said, well, no, we, we just have been so 
paranoid that we've always have a mosquito net on him. You know, we just tried to be really careful. He said, I would test him for malaria. We tested him, and it was positive. So our one week, one two week old, and I can't remember someone like that, tested positive for malaria. Which malaria there is cerebral malaria. If you don't treat it in three weeks, you are dead as an adult. So for a one one week, two week old, we're thinking like, I know what the medication did to me when I had it. I mean, I was like, what is it going to do to my one week old? My daughter also had malaria. She went from a 93 temperature to a 107 in within one hour. Uh, so. Watching your kids suffer is the most challenging thing on the mission field. But you know the greatest blessing of the mission field is God's presence. When Abraham came back from that battle uh, with the, uh, those five kings and the king of Sodom and Gomorrah came and tried to bring him a reward, he, he refused it. And the next verse, the Bible says that the Lord appeared to him and said, Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. Isn't that great? The greatest thrill of missions is a level of intimacy with Christ that cannot be known in any other arena. And you're part of that. You say, well, we're not in Uganda. Well, you really are. You really are, more than you know. And the work that you do here has, I, I can't even, I don't have words to form to tell you what a big part of it you are. And we appreciate you so much.